5 Dreams and Visions About What Is To Come The Bible is a remarkable book that reveals the Mighty One's plan of salvation for humanity. Made up of 66 books written by different authors over 1,500 years, the Bible has a remarkable unity and coherence telling one story of the Mighty One's redemptive work in history, from creation to completion. The Bible is not a random collection of myths, legends, or moral teachings, but a coherent narrative that testifies to the Mighty One's character, purposes, and promises. In this episode, I will share with you the amazing story of how the unity and coherence of the Bible are manifested in the dreams and visions shared by five different people who lived centuries apart, and who had different cultures and upbringings, dreams with common thread given by the Mighty One to shepherds and kings that contain an immediate and implied meaning. Job 413 in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. Job 33:14-18. The Mighty One does, indeed, speak to us in various ways, but we do not pay any attention to what he says. Sometimes he speaks to us at night in dreams and visions when we are on our beds, heavily asleep. He reveals things to us in those times, he terrifies us by warning us about things. He tells us those things so that we may stop doing evil deeds and prevent us from becoming proud. He does not want us to be destroyed, he wants to prevent us from dying while we are still young. Prophecy, one of the types of evidence for the cohesive nature of the Bible is anchored firmly in dreams and visions. The Tanakh commonly called Old Testament contains hundreds of prophecies that point to the coming of the Messiah, Yahashua. These prophecies are specific detailed, and verifiable. They include his birthplace, Micah 5,2, his lineage, Genesis 49,10, his miracles, Isaiah 35,5-6, his death, Isaiah 53, his resurrection, Psalm 16,10, and his universal reign, Psalm 2. The Messianic scriptures commonly called New Testament show how Yahashua fulfilled these prophecies in his life, death, and resurrection. The probability of one person fulfilling all these prophecies by chance is astronomically low. The only reasonable explanation is that the Mighty One inspired the writers of the Old Testament to foretell the coming of his Son. In recounting these dreams and visions received by shepherds and kings, you will hear the voice of the Mighty One speaking about Yahashua Messiah who will be king over what is to come. John 5:45-47 Do not think that I am the one who accuses you before my Father. You thought Moses would defend you, so on him you have set your hopes. However, it is Moses who accuses you. If you had accepted what Moses said, you would have received what I said as the truth. Since you did not even believe in what Moses wrote, how could you possibly trust what I have said to you? Ezekiel 43:3. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. Isaiah 1:1. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Daniel 8:1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. Daniel 10:1. 1. 
in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and had the understanding of the vision. 2 Samuel 7:17, 1 Chronicles 17:15. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Matthew 17:9. And as they came down from the mountain, Yahashua charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, until the Son of Man is risen again from the dead. Acts 10:1-10. There was a man who lived in the city of Caesarea whose name was Cornelius. He was an officer who commanded 100 men in a large group of Roman soldiers from Italy. He always tried to do what would please the Mighty One, he and his entire household were non-Jews who habitually worshipped the Mighty One. He sometimes gave money to help poor Jewish people, and he prayed to the Mighty One regularly. One day at about three o'clock in the afternoon Cornelius saw a vision. He saw a Malik whom the Mighty One had sent. He saw the Malik coming into his room and saying to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at the Malik and became terrified. Then he asked fearfully, Sir, what do you want? The Malik who was sent from the Mighty One answered him, You have pleased the Mighty One because you have been praying regularly to him and you often give money to help poor people. Those things have been like a memorial offering to the Mighty One. So now command some men to go to Joppa and tell them to bring back a man named Simon whose other name is Kepha, Peter. He is staying with a man, also named Simon, who makes leather. His house is near the ocean. When the Malik who spoke to Cornelius had gone, he summoned two of his household servants and a soldier who served him, one who also worshipped the Mighty One. He explained to them everything that the Malik had said. Then he told them to go to the city of Joppa to ask Peter to come to Caesarea. About noon the next day, those three men were traveling along the road and were coming near Joppa. As they were approaching Joppa, Peter went up on the flat housetop to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While some people were preparing the food, Peter saw a vision. Acts 10:17-20. While Peter was trying to understand what that vision meant, the men who had been sent by Cornelius arrived. They asked people how to get to Simon's house. So, they found his house and were standing outside the gate. They called and asked if a man named Simon, whose other name was Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still trying to understand what the vision meant, the Mighty One's spirit said to him, Listen. Three men are here who want to see you. So get up and go downstairs and go with them. Do not think that you should not go with them, because I have sent them here. Acts 16 9-10 And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia, and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Master had called us to preach the good news to them. Revelation 1-1-3 This book has the things that Yahashua the Messiah showed to me, John. The Mighty One showed these things to Yahashua so that he might pass them on to his servants. These things will happen soon. Yahashua communicated these things by sending his Malik to me, his servant John. 
as a witness I, John, reported everything I saw and heard about the word of the Mighty One, and the true accounts that were given about Yahashua the Messiah. The Mighty One will do good to anyone who reads these words and to any who hears them when they are being read aloud. He will do good to those who listen carefully to them and obey them, for the time when these things happen is approaching quickly. Abraham's dream about what is to come is recorded in the book of Genesis 15 1-21, a key passage in the biblical account of the Mighty One's covenant with Abram. This passage reveals some important aspects of the Mighty One's character, Abram's trust, and the future of the Mighty One's people. Abraham is the first relay runner in this examination of dreams and visions that have an immediate and implied meaning I shall speak about. In this passage the Mighty One speaks to Abram in a vision, reassuring him of his protection and reward. Abram had just returned from a victorious battle against four kings who had captured his nephew Lot, Genesis 14. He had also refused to accept any spoils from the king of Sodom, choosing to trust the Mighty One as his provider, Genesis 14 21-24. However, Abram was still childless and wondered how the Mighty One would fulfill his promise of making him a great nation, Genesis 12 2. The Mighty One responds to Abram's concern by promising him a son from his own body, and a multitude of descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abram believes the Mighty One's word and the Mighty One credits it to him as righteousness. This is the first time in the Bible that the concept of righteousness by confidence is mentioned, and it becomes a foundational principle for the rest of Scripture, Romans 4 3, Galatians 3 6, James 2 23. The Mighty One also reaffirms his promise to give Abram the land of Canaan as an inheritance. Abram asks the Mighty One how he can be sure of this, and the Mighty One instructs him to prepare a sacrifice of animals. Abram obeys and cuts the animals in half, laying them opposite each other. This was a common way of making a covenant in ancient times, where the parties would walk between the pieces of animals as a sign of their commitment and a curse for breaking it, Jeremiah 34 18-19. However, instead of walking between the pieces with Abram, the Mighty One causes a deep sleep and dreadful darkness to fall upon him. The Mighty One then speaks to Abram again, revealing to him the future history of his descendants. They will be strangers and slaves in a foreign land for 400 years, but the Mighty One will judge their oppressors and bring them out with great possessions. They will return to Canaan in the fourth generation when the sin of the Amorites reaches its full measure. Finally, when the sun sets and the land is darkened, the Mighty One appears as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, passing between the pieces of the sacrifice. This is a symbolic way of the Mighty One taking an oath and sealing his covenant with Abram. He lists the boundaries and the inhabitants of the land that he is giving to Abram's offspring. This passage shows us that the Mighty One is steadfast, generous, and sovereign. He initiates and fulfills his covenant with Abram, despite his human limitations and weaknesses. He gives him a son, a land, and a blessing that will extend to all nations, Genesis 12:3. For the implied meaning, this dream and vision he gave to Abraham also reveals his plan for all of history and his justice for the oppressed as his son Yahashua Messiah repeats so many times in his talks with his disciples and all who came to listen to him. Matthew 5, 1-12 When Yahashua saw the crowds, he went up on a mount. 
he sat down there and taught his followers. They came near to him to listen to him. Then he began to teach them by saying, The Mighty One is pleased with people who admit that they need him, he will agree to rule over them from heaven. The Mighty One is pleased with people who mourn because of this sinful world, he will encourage them. The Mighty One is pleased with humble people, they will inherit the earth that the Mighty One will make new. The Mighty One is pleased with people who desire to live righteously just as someone might wish to eat and drink, he will make them able to live righteously. The Mighty One is pleased with people who act mercifully toward others, he will act mercifully toward them. The Mighty One is pleased with people who try to do only that which pleases him, someday they will be where the Mighty One is and will see him. The Mighty One is pleased with people who help other people to live peacefully, he will regard them as his children. The Mighty One is pleased with people who live righteously, he is honored when their righteous lives are the reason why evil people insult and treat them badly. The Mighty One rules over these righteous people from heaven. The Mighty One is pleased with you when other people insult you, and he is honored when they do evil things to you and when they tell lies about you, saying that you are evil. When that happens, rejoice and be glad, because the Mighty One will give you a great reward in heaven. Remember, that is how they persecuted the prophets who lived long ago. In line with the promise of the Mighty One, Abraham and Sarah his wife had a son whom they named Isaac. However, the dream and vision relay baton passed not to Isaac but to his son Jacob who is later quoted by Yahashua Messiah because the dream and vision Jacob had in its implied meaning, pointed to Yahashua's function as a bridge between heaven and earth, the way. The immediate meaning of Jacob's dream and vision is found in the book of Genesis 28,10-16, where we meet Jacob in Beersheba on his race to Haran away from his very angry brother Esau whom he had just cheated out of the double portion of the blessings belonging to the firstborn, you see, Jacob was the younger born of the twins. Leaving Beersheba, Jacob stops at a certain place to rest as the sun is going down, picks out a stone to pillow his head, and tired as he was, goes to sleep. While he was asleep, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway. Its bottom was on the earth and its top reached the sky or heaven. He also saw the mighty ones Malachim, plural of Malak, going up and down the stairway. Yahweh was standing at the top of the stairway. Now read the passage with me. Genesis 28 10-16 Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and started to go toward Haran. When he arrived at a certain place, he stopped there because the sun had gone down. He took one of the stones there and put it under his head to use as a pillow. Then he lay down and slept there. While he was sleeping, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway. The bottom of the stairway was on the earth and the top was in the sky. Jacob also saw that the mighty ones Malachim were going up and down the stairway. Then he saw Yahweh standing at the top of the stairway, saying I am Yahweh the Mighty One, whom your grandfather Abraham worshipped and whom Isaac worships. I will give to you and to your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be as numerous as the particles of dust that are on the earth, and their territory will be very large. It will extend in all directions, to the east, and the west, to the north and the south. I will bless all the clans and people groups on earth through you and your descendants. I will help you and protect you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you, 
I will do for you all that I have promised to do. During the night, when Jacob woke up from sleeping, he thought, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and until now I was not aware of it. Jacob as so many persons even today are, was unaware that the Mighty One is everywhere. Perhaps in reading or listening to this message, if you find you are thinking like Jacob, you may want to reconsider your opinions. Thinking about Jacob's lack of knowledge, you will agree from your reading or listening that Jacob's dream and vision state that the Mighty One was at the top of the stairway. This then brings up the question of what the stairway stands for. The answer is not far as I have come to understand in the implied meaning of this dream and vision, that the stairway is Yahashua Messiah as he confirms. John 1:51. Then Yahashua said to him, I am telling you the truth, just like the vision your ancestor Jacob long ago saw, someday you will see heaven opened up, and you will see the mighty ones Malachim going up and coming down on me, the son of man. John 14 6. Yahashua said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father and live with him unless he comes through me. Abraham a herder of sheep gets a dream and vision from the Mighty One about what is to come. His grandson Jacob receives a dream and vision about the way to what is to come. Now the race relay baton passes on to Jacob's eleventh son whose name is Joseph. Joseph receives two dreams and visions as does the king who will receive the relay baton after him. First hear me out about how Joseph's two dreams connect with the vision about the way his father Jacob received after I speak on the immediate meaning of Genesis 37,5-11, where we read about Joseph's dreams and how his brothers reacted to them to teach us some important lessons about the Mighty One's sovereignty, human jealousy, and divine purpose. Joseph the favorite son of his father Jacob, had a special gift of interpreting dreams. One day, he had a dream that he and his brothers were binding sheaves of grain in the field, and his sheaf rose and stood upright, while his brothers' sheaves bowed down to his sheaf. He told this dream to his brothers, and they hated him even more because they understood that the dream meant that he would rule over them one day. And here comes my first question for the implied meaning of this dream and vision, who are those who will rule over others one day? Keep reading and listening to find out. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his father and his brothers. He said that he saw the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowing down to him. His father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And now here arises an idea. These dreams sound like fractions. The first dream and vision of his brothers is some part, then the whole includes his parents. Well, let's continue with the dream's immediate meaning and later connect it to Jacob's vision of the way. What can we learn from this story? First of all, we can see that the Mighty One is in control of history and he has a plan for each of his children. Joseph's dreams were not just random fantasies, but prophetic revelations of what the Mighty One would do in his life. The Mighty One had chosen Joseph to be a leader and a savior for his family and his nation, some part, then the whole. Even though Joseph did not know how or when his dreams would come true, he trusted the Mighty One and obeyed him. Secondly, we can see that human jealousy can lead to sin and suffering. Joseph's brothers hated him because of his dreams and his father's favoritism.
they could not accept that the Mighty One had a special purpose for him. They plotted to kill him but later decided to sell him as a slave to some merchants who were going to Egypt. They lied to their father and said that Joseph was devoured by a wild animal. They thought they had gotten rid of him, but they did not realize that they were fulfilling the Mighty One's plan. Thirdly, we can see that divine purpose can overcome any obstacle or difficulty. Joseph faced many trials and temptations in Egypt. He was falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten, and tested. But he never gave up on the mighty one of his dreams. He remained steadfast and diligent in everything he did. He used his gift of interpreting dreams to help others and to praise the mighty one. He rose from being a slave to being the second in command of Egypt. He saved many lives during a famine, including those of his brothers who had sold him. He forgave them and reconciled with them. He saw the fulfillment of his dreams and the goodness of the Mighty One in his life. As with Jacob's dream and vision, Yahashua the Way is saving believers now as some part so that he can with them save the whole world in what is to come. I hope this message has inspired you to reflect on your dreams and the Mighty One's purpose for you. Remember that the Mighty One is sovereign over all things, that jealousy is a destructive emotion that should be avoided, and that nothing can stop the Mighty One's plan for your life if you trust Him and follow Him. Pharaoh is the first of two kings running in the final laps of the dreams and vision relay race and receives the baton from Joseph. Like Joseph, Pharaoh also had two dreams having an immediate and implied meanings. Pharaoh dreamt about what the Mighty One is about to do in what is to come. In the immediate sense of Pharaoh's dream and vision, the land of Egypt was about to enter into a prolonged period of famine. However, in the implied sense of Pharaoh's dream and vision, this age of wickedness would be forgotten during the reign of righteousness which will be ruled over by Yahashua Messiah even as the lean cattle ate up the fat cattle. It may surprise you to note that fat may signify a corrupt character in scripture. Have a go at the quotations below before I go into the immediate meaning of Pharaoh's dream and vision. Psalm 73 5-7 They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves them as a necklace, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. Deuteronomy 31:20. For when I will have brought them into the land that I adjure to their fathers, that flows with milk and honey and they will have eaten and filled themselves and become fat. Then they will turn to other mighty ones and serve them, and provoke me, and will break my covenant. Deuteronomy 32:15. But Jeshurun became fat, and kicked, you became fat, you are grown thick, you are covered with fatness, then he forsook the mighty one that made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Isaiah 6:10. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears grievous, and smear over their eyes unless they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn back and are healed. Isaiah 10:16. Therefore, will the Master, Yahweh of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness, and under his glory he will kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. Jeremiah 5:28. They are waxed fat, they shine, Yes, they overpass the deeds of the wicked, they judge not the legal suit, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper, and the rights of the poor do they not judge. 
there is a definite connection between Genesis 41 1-25 and Deuteronomy 19:15, two passages from the Old Testament that deal with the theme of dreams and witnesses showing how the Mighty One uses dreams to reveal His will and to confirm His word through the testimony of two or three witnesses. Genesis 41:1-25 tells the story of how Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh had two dreams that troubled him, one about seven fat cows being devoured by seven lean cows, and another about seven healthy ears of grain being swallowed by seven thin ears. None of his magicians or wise men could explain the meaning of these dreams, but Joseph, who was in prison for being falsely accused of adultery, was brought before Pharaoh and gave him the interpretation. Joseph said that the dreams were the same and that they represented seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine in Egypt. He also said that the Mighty One had given Pharaoh these dreams to warn him and show him what he was about to do. Deuteronomy 19.15 is part of the law that the Mighty One gave to Moses for the Israelites. It states that a single witness is not enough to convict anyone of a crime or offense, there must be two or three witnesses to establish a matter. This principle is based on the idea that the Mighty One himself establishes his truth through two or three witnesses, as he did with Pharaoh's dreams. In fact, throughout the Bible, we see that the Mighty One often speaks through dreams and visions to reveal his choice and to confirm his word. For example, he spoke to Abraham, Genesis 15:1, Jacob, Genesis 28:12, Daniel, Daniel 2:19, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4:5, Joseph, Matthew 1:20, Peter, Acts 10:10, Paul, Acts 16:9, and John, Revelation 1:10. Therefore, we can see that Genesis 41:1-25 and Deuteronomy 19:15 are connected by the theme of dreams and witnesses. They show us how the Mighty One uses visions to communicate with his people and to warn them of what is to come as Amos tells it surely Yahweh Almighty will do nothing, but he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets, Amos 3:7. They also show us how the Mighty One requires two or three witnesses to establish a matter, as he does with his word. These passages challenge us to pay attention to the dreams and the visions that the Mighty One may give us and to seek confirmation from other sources before acting on them. They also remind us that the Mighty One is steadfast and sovereign over history and that He has a plan for His people and the world. The last dream and vision I want to speak about is Nebuchadnezzar's dream about four reigns or kingdoms that will be before what is to come. His dream and vision are immediate in meaning and also implied and are found recorded for us to learn from in the book of Daniel 2,1-47. Daniel, a young Hebrew captive in Babylon, interpreted the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar that none of his wise men could reveal to show us the power and wisdom of the Mighty One who reveals mysteries and controls history. The story begins with Nebuchadnezzar having a troubling dream that he could not remember. He summoned his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed and what it meant. But they could not do it, because the king refused to tell them the dream. He demanded that they reveal both the dream and the interpretation, or else they would be executed. The wise men protested that this was an impossible task and that only their idols or mighty ones could know such things. The king became furious and ordered the death of all the wise men in Babylon. If you remember Pharaoh's dream and vision, 
unlike Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh told the dream he had while sleeping to his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers who were unable to tell him its meaning. Another interesting fun fact about this dream is that it closely resembles Abraham's dream in its implied meaning. Keep listening. Among the wise men were Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Missal, and Azariah, who were also Hebrew captives. They had been trained in the Babylonian culture and language and had been given new names, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, names of the idols the Babylonians bowed to, Daniel 4,8. When they heard about the king's decree, they asked for time to pray to the Mighty One for mercy and revelation. During the night, the Mighty One showed Daniel the dream and its meaning in a vision. Daniel praised the Mighty One for his wisdom and power and thanked him for answering his prayer. Daniel then went to Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, who was in charge of executing the wise men. He told him not to kill them, but to take them to the king. He said that he could reveal the king's dream and its interpretation. When he stood before Nebuchadnezzar, he made it clear that he was not relying on his wisdom, but on the mighty one who reveals mysteries. He then told the king his dream, he had seen a large statue with a head of gold, chest, and arms of silver, belly, and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet partly of iron and partly of clay. A rock cut out by no human hand struck the statue on its feet and shattered it. The rock then became a huge mountain that filled the whole earth. Daniel explained that the statue represented four successive kingdoms that would rule over the world, Babylon, gold, Medo-Persia, silver, Greece, bronze, and Rome, iron. The feet of iron and clay represented a divided kingdom that would be partly strong and partly weak. The rock represented the mighty one's kingdom that would destroy all human kingdoms and last forever. You may read more about these kingdoms in the post one rule and an admixture. The king was astonished by Daniel's accuracy and insight. He acknowledged that Daniel's mighty one is the mighty one the mighty one sovereign of kings and a revealer of mysteries. He rewarded Daniel with gifts, honor, and authority over the province of Babylon and all its wise men. He also appointed his three friends to high positions in his administration. These dreams and visions confirm the cohesive nature of the Bible and the consistency of its message. The Bible does not contradict itself but rather harmonizes in its main themes and doctrines. The Bible teaches that the Mighty One is One, Deuteronomy 6 4. The Bible teaches that the Mighty One is set apart, Isaiah 6 3, but also loving, 1 John 4 8. The Bible teaches that humans are created in the Mighty One's image, Genesis 1 but also fallen in sin, Romans 3 23. The Bible teaches that salvation is by favor through trust, Ephesians 2 9 but also requires repentance and obedience, Acts 2.38. The Bible teaches that Yahashua is fully mighty, John 1.1, but also fully human, John 1.14. The Bible teaches that believers are called to live in the world, John 17.15, but not of the world, John 17.16. These are not contradictions, but paradoxes that reflect the richness and depth of the Mighty One's revelation. The cohesive nature of the Bible is a testimony to its divine origin and authority. It shows that the Bible is not a human invention, but a supernatural revelation.
It shows that the Bible is not a mere book, but a living word. It shows that the Bible is not an outdated relic, but a relevant guide. It shows that the Bible is not a subjective opinion, but an objective truth. It shows that the Bible is not a burden to bear, but a blessing to enjoy. The cohesive nature of the Bible invites us to read it with reverence, trust, and joy. It invites us to discover its beauty, wisdom, and power. Just as you have heard from these five dreams and visions, it invites us to encounter their author, our Savior, and Maker. My name is Orler Laerihati Tamakea, and by the power of the Spirit of the Mighty One, through Yahashua Messiah sharing with you things about the way of Yahweh which I follow. Each episode of the Assembly of Yahweh Natsreya podcast will offer opportunities to learn from the scripture and connect with the original sense and purpose practiced by the earliest followers of Yahashua Messiah since around year 30 in our common era, on the delightsomely beautiful narrow and difficult way, the Sovereign's Highway, that leads to eternal life. Thank you for listening. This digital media is produced by DM10 Enterprise, for Assembly of Yahweh Natsreya.